The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Uh, but I, I want to get into the Word this morning, and as we get into the Word, I'd like for our, our awareness and mentality to, to be that God is doing great things, and He's doing great things in your life, He's doing great things in, in my life, He's doing great things in our lives collectively as a congregation, and, and there was a, a message that's put together for this morning. During the praise and worship, it, a lot of it, I really felt moved to shift it around and, and hopefully... Uh, I was being, you know, sensitive to the Holy Spirit in doing that, and, and everything comes together, and, and we understand that God's really uh, leading us and guiding us into something. I want to talk about the importance of in, encouragement this morning. I feel led to, to talk about the importance of encouragement, and we've talked about courage and other things in the past, and, and they're very biblical, and we'll see that as we get into the Word, but I really feel a need for encouragement within the body of Christ. Uh, I had a conversation with an individual, I had a couple of them this week, and, and I realized something, that I was contacting this person for encouragement, and I think this person maybe was in need of encouragement, and, and the, the, the thought went through my mind is, hey, one of us needs to bring encouragement here, because if we're both in the dark right now, this is going to be bad, you know, so, so it's important for us to be surrounded by people who can help keep us in the light. And when I say keep us in the light, I mean to help keep our thoughts straight, our thinking straight, to help keep our priorities straight. It's very important for us to be surrounded by people who can help keep us in a place of encouragement, and it's important for us to be that person for others, to help keep people in a state of encouragement. So here's a few things that we'll find as we get into the Scripture. I mean, if you're taking notes, which I strongly encourage, it's very uh, uh, helpful to, uh, to go back and revisit notes and allow... Uh, God to speak to you personally about the things that we, we acknowledge today together, uh, you can write these things down in your notes as things that we're going to find. Uh, one, we're going to find out what precedes God's power. What precedes God's power? Now, there's a little bit of a liberty taken here, but it's just interesting as you read through the scripture and you see miraculous things take place, what precedes those miraculous things? There's a few instances that are very consistent and it's interesting to take a look at that. Another thing that we're going to find is what God commands. When you hear God say something like, this is what I've commanded, or have I not commanded, it's very important to pay attention to what it is that he's speaking about. I mean, we're, we have a calling on our life to fulfill the call of God on our lives. That would include the things that God instructs us or commands us to do. And uh, in our case, he's instructed us to do something very specific, and we'll see that in the Word. Uh, another thing that we're going to find is what's needed for us to have encouragement. What's needed for us to have courage in our lives. And I want to take a look at those things as we get into the Word. So uh, I mentioned before that we're going to find out what precedes God's power. I want to give you a few passages of Scripture uh, from the Gospels. Now, these are just a few you know, I mean, we, we, we want to manage our time wisely, so once the point is made, we, we've made the point, and then we move, we move on. So I want to give you a few passages of Scripture here. Here's one out of the Gospel of Matthew, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. 
Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. There's an individual, this individual is in desperate need for a touch from God. Uh, This individual's life is greatly affected by affliction and needs to see something powerful take place in their life in order to, to come to know deliverance from this affliction. And when Jesus acknowledges this person, Jesus says something very specific. Jesus says, take courage, son, your sins are forgiven then goes on to introduce the freedom and the deliverance from the ailment. He introduces the healing. So to paraphrase the, the, the history here, what took place, there's an individual who can't move. They're, they're paralyzed. They're brought before Jesus. Jesus looks at the individual and says, take courage, your sins are forgiven. Now a group of people are standing by and they have issue with this. They think, Who is it that can forgive sins but God? In fact, they accuse Jesus of being a a blasphemer, that he's saying something sinful. And Jesus responds to them and says, which of these is easier to say? Which of these is easier to, to wrap your mind around? For me to tell this individual that their sins are forgiven or for me to tell this individual who physically can't move to rise up and walk? And then he looks at the individual and makes the declaration that so that everyone can know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins, rise up and walk. And this individual that's afflicted gets up and begins to walk. I mean, that's a a, a pretty good church service, don't you think? I mean, I, I would be all in after that. It would be very easy to say, wow, what this guy is saying must be true. For only God could perform such great confirmation as what we just witnessed. So you have this wonderful, powerful declaration of the power of God being released into the lives of men and women just like us. We have need for God's power to touch our lives just like this man did. And that power touched his life just like God's power is touching our lives today. And that began with Jesus saying, take courage. Take courage. Now, when I look at that passage of Scripture, I'm I'm interested in in what that would mean. Uh, There's uh, some ways that we speak that are different than the ways that people speak in other parts of the world. And and the word take is actually kind of an interesting word. Uh, We don't really use it as much as it's used in other parts of the world. But let's just say you were going to sit down and eat a meal. You know, someone would ask, are you going to take breakfast this morning? Are you going to take lunch? Will you be taking dinner? We don't really say it that way. We, we talk about eating or having or, or what have you. And in this case, the idea that Jesus would say, take courage, is a, a, a situation where I want to look at that and, as, and investigate what would it look like for me to take courage. I mean, if that's his instruction in a situation where I need to be touched by the power of God, how can I get that into my life? So that it becomes more than just something that is written in the book that I read where you just go right over it and and you see the miracle, you see the miraculous and are moved by that. But I want to understand why Jesus, who always speaks intentionally, he never speaks casually or accidentally, why he would instruct the importance to take courage before seeing the power of God move. For you, for me, I want to become a person who knows how to take courage, who knows how to make a way for courage to exist in my life 
so that the power of God can be released in and through my life. You'll see the same thing in Matthew chapter 9, verse 22. Jesus produces another miracle of healing. This miracle of healing involves a woman who has a desperate need for the power of God to touch her life. And Jesus looks at this woman and says, Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. Uh, There's another instance where a man is, is blind and is in desperate need for God to touch his life, to see the power of God deliver him from his affliction. The Gospel of Mark chapter 10, verse 49. As Jesus is responding to this man's cries for help and assistance, those around the man speak to the man these words, take courage for the master is calling you. Take courage for Jesus is responding to your need. So I want to stop there because there's no need to continue to build a case. What we see here is that as the power of God is being released into people's lives, people are being encouraged to take courage. They're being instructed to take courage. They're being led to a point of taking courage as the power of God is released in and through their life. So I want to talk about taking courage and what that would mean and what that would look like. And as I look at that, I want to just define the word courage. Because oftentimes when we think about Courage, we think about the the simple fact of being brave or or something along those lines. But I want to go to the dictionary and look up the word courage. You've heard me say this before, and I I believe it, that if I were limited to a very small library, I would want my Bible, I would want a concordance, and I would want a dictionary. Because it's, it's necessary in order for us to understand the word, to know the words, that make up the word. And so when you go to the dictionary and you look up the word courage, this is what you'll find. Courage, the mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. The mental or moral strength to venture, that means to take it on, to do it, To persevere, that means to to hang in there even when it gets tough. To withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Now, I see this word, I see this definition, and I begin to be moved because I can tell you this past week, courage was assaulted in my life on a number of fronts. I mean, I I realize the importance of staying in this, this mentality that is able to venture and persevere and withstand a difficulty. If, if, if the way we think begins to give in and we begin to lose courage, all of a sudden the effects of losing courage are revealed in our choices and in our actions. If we begin to lose courage in our thinking, we'll begin to compromise in our actions. For us to act accordingly to, to God's instruction, for us to carry out His will, is going to require us to pay very careful attention to our thought life. If courage is the mental strength to venture and persevere difficulty, we need to guard our thoughts. It also is defined there as the moral strength. Actually, the manifestation of choices and decisions in any given situation or or scenario to do what's right, even when it's hard. It makes sense to me that God would call us to courage because everything that God is going to call us to do 
is going to be calling us to do what is right, even when it's difficult or when it's challenging. Jesus himself is the greatest example of that. So as we see that definition, the mental or the moral strength to to venture, to persevere, to withstand danger, fear, or difficulty, we can understand why courage is so important. We've all been put in positions or situations where doing the right thing wasn't the easy thing. And I look at at our children as they grow up in the world that they're growing up in, and I realize that it's going to only get more difficult to do what's right, to say what's right, to think what's right, to behave rightly. In a world that continues to move further into the dark, it will be more challenging to stand in the light. That's why we're going to need something. We're going to need encouragement. I want to give you a passage of Scripture concerning encouragement. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, I'd like for you to consider what encouragement means. Now, we already defined courage, right? Courage was that mental strength, that moral strength to to venture, persevere, withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. But encourage is, is, is something slightly different. I mean, though it involves courage, it involves putting courage into a person or a situation. For you to encourage me would be for you to come to me and bring words that would be uplifting, words that would be stabilizing and introduce security to a situation. I'll give you an example. I mean, it's very common to have things go wrong. Uh, We had a very small situation, so it's a very silly example, but a a piece of electronic equipment failed today, right? And I guess that's my favorite projector, because even though it's not working, I still stared at that screen. So that probably says I'm a little nutty, right? I mean, there's something maybe a little off with me. Even now I'm looking at it. But when it went wrong and it just didn't work, it bothered me. I mean, it's not that big a deal, right? It's really not. So it's a goofy example. But I I went and spoke with one of our leaders here and just said, hey, would you just tell me that that really doesn't matter and it's just, it's fine? It's just okay? And of course, he offered that word of encouragement and it was really helpful just to hear someone else introduce a confirming word of stability to the situation. So that's really a a, a goofy example, but it's still an example in principle of what encouragement means, to put courage in someone. So we'll see a passage of Scripture here where encouragement is absolutely powerful. In fact, it's the catalyst for power, catalyst like the pipeline that the power of God flows through. Like you would see Jesus look at someone in need and say, take courage, and then by the power of God, he would meet their need. I'll give you that passage of Scripture here. Uh, I mentioned before we were going to find out uh, what precedes power. I'd like for you to make a note of, of what you see here in encouragement. Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah chapter 35. I want to look at verses 2 through 6. Isaiah chapter 35, beginning in verse 2, here's, here's what we find. It reads like this. They will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. That's that's pretty promising up to this point. They will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Now verse 3, encourage the exhausted and strengthen the weak. Say to those who are anxious and fearful, take 
courage and fear not. Behold, God will deliver. He will save. Yes. Now you see verse 5. Then. And would you say that with me? Then. Then. Yeah, then meaning now after encouragement. This is the result. After encouragement, then the eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The lame will leap up like the deer. The tongue of the mute will shout for joy. Waters will break out in dry places and streams will break out in the desert. That's a pretty powerful then, isn't it? And all of that wonderful manifestation of God's provision, God's power, starts with encouragement. So if someone were to ask me, hey, Preston, what does that mean to you? When you read that, what what comes to mind? Well, there's several things that come to mind. One, I realize why the devil is so, uh, uh, so constantly attempting to depress people. If everyone can be depressed and no one's encouraging one another, then you're not going to have that then. You won't have the eyes being opened and the ears being loosed and and the lame leaping up. You won't have the mouth that was once silenced shouting for joy. You won't have the streams breaking out in the desert if you can put a stop to encouragement. And if everyone is in the dark, then no one can be brought into the light. So of course the scheme would be to disrupt and, and to prevent encouragement. But when we in Jesus can be delivered from those uh, attempts to bring us down and to bring us into the darkness, when we can be a source of encouragement for one another, we can be a catalyst for the power of God that has the authority and the ability to open up the blind eyes, to unstop the deaf ears, to cause the lame to leap up, to cause that mouth that has been shut to be open, to make a way for that life-giving river in the middle of the desert. All because we can encourage those around us. Encouragement is a very powerful tool. The ability to put courage into someone in their situation or their circumstance. It can be done through words. It can be done through example and actions. Your life is meant to be a light of encouragement to the entire world that's in such desperate need of courage. God commands courage. I told you before we were going to find what God commands. I want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture. I want to give one out of Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. It's a a call. It's a, a declaration. Deuteronomy 31, 6. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you, and he will not fail you or forsake you. When God speaks to his servant, that's no different than God speaking to you today as his child. God says these words. You can find them in Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Don't tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now these are passages of scripture that we may be familiar with, but I think it's very important that we reacquaint ourselves with these passages often. I feel like there is an attempt to bring people into a place of trembling and dismay. 
I mean, trembling being that, that state of, of weakness to think that the enemy is more powerful and therefore we ought to cower. Dismay, that place where you're so overwhelmed by the situation or the circumstance that you can no longer see the hope of victory, but rather all you see is the power, the weight of the problem set before your eyes. But God's instruction to us is to be neither of those things, to not tremble, to not be dismayed, but to stand in a place of strength, to stand in a place of stability, to stand in a place of hope in order to live a life of courage. And we have this hope because of Jesus. Courage is a priority for the believer. I want to offer you a passage of scripture here. And and as we read through this scripture, uh, I'd like for you to to take note of what an absence of courage leads to. It's from the book of Revelation. Jesus is speaking, and he's speaking in Revelation. You'll find it in chapter 21, verses 5 through 8. Now, I want to paraphrase it, and I I want to to come to the point where we understand what's being spoken of. Jesus identifies himself. He identifies his authority, that he is is equipped and credentialed to make such a bold statement as is being made in this passage of Scripture. And then he begins to identify hell and those that are in hell. It's a very odd passage of scripture to introduce into a message, but bear with me and take a look at what is included in those that are uh, bound for a life outside of the presence of God. Revelation 21, beginning in verse 5. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write these words. These words are faithful and true. And he said, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things. I will be his God and he will be my son. Now you're going to see everything shift as we get to verse 8. But for the cowardly or for the one lacking courage, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderer, the immoral, the sorcerer, the idolater, and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's something you want nothing to do with. But did you see who made number one on that list? I mean, there's not a person in the room who who wouldn't agree that, hey, I don't think that God is a big fan of sorcery. I I don't think that God is a big fan of murder. I I don't think that God is a big fan of of lying and and immorality and all those things that are abominations. I I think that that these are things that that will be outside of the presence of God. But number one on that list is the coward. The one that does not walk in courage. Now that provokes some thoughts in me. Does it provoke any thoughts in you? I mean, it it makes me understand the importance and the priority of courage in living a courageous life. It makes me understand why God would open up his instruction with be strong and courageous. That he wouldn't open it up with, hey, be gentle and loving, even though God wants you to be gentle and loving. 
that courage is at the foundation of everything in the life of the believer. It's going to require the mental and the moral strength to stand and to venture and to persevere the danger, the fear, and the difficulty that's going to push back against the call of God on your life. When all of the world tells you that you've chosen poorly when you've chosen to follow Jesus, you can stand in the command of God with the courage that he's instructed and call upon the mind of Christ, the mental strength. Call upon the righteousness of Christ, the moral strength to stand and persevere in that time of difficulty. Courage is a priority, and God has made a way for courage to exist in our lives. When I begin to see the importance of courage, I want to turn to the Word to find out how I can see courage multiplied and magnified in my life so that I can begin to encourage those around me. I want to be a source of encouragement to my wife and my sons. I want to be a source of encouragement to the congregation and the body of Christ. I want to be a source of encouragement to those that I work with and labor with. I want to be a source of encouragement to all who encounter me. I want to share something with you before we move on in the scripture. And I want to tell you the the greatest compliment that I ever have received. And, and I'm not saying that it was the, the, the biggest honor or, or even the greatest achievement. I just remember when the individual said it, I thought, wow, that's a really incredibly powerful thing to say. It was a young man, and, and he had faced a number of difficulties. And, and I, I had no idea that, that he was even listening to some of the words that were being shared with him. But apparently, some of those words were, were encouraging and he made this comment to me, and it was, it was some time after the afflictions that, that he had walked through had passed. We were driving together in, in my truck, and, and he said something. He said, I really love being around you. And, and I remember thinking, well, that's sweet. You know, that's a kind thing to say. And then he said this, and he explained why. He said, when I'm around you, I feel like I can do anything. And I remember when he said that, I thought, well, you know, that's, that's nice of you. And I began to think, I began to think, you know, I think if I stood next to Jesus, I might say the same thing. That, that you know, when I'm around you, Verses like all things are possible really mean something to me. They don't sound like ways to cope with difficulty. Rather, they sound like actual possibilities that we can get through this, that we can see victory, that no matter how high the deck is stacked against us, we're going to win. And that young man's uh, statement there, though it was just in passing and it was a part of a, a much bigger conversation, really stuck with me. I want that to be the result of my life because that is mirroring Jesus. When I'm around Jesus, I know all things are possible. In that young man's words, I feel like I can do anything. You see that in the Psalms, when the psalmist is writing. He talks about the Spirit of the Lord and being in the presence of God. And he makes comments like, I can leap over a wall. I can run upon a troop. Now, those are not ways that we talk today, but let me tell you something. He's talking superhero kind of stuff. 
like Marvel comic kind of stuff. I feel like I can do things that defy physics, that, that, that are absolutely impossible with men. But when I am in the midst of your spirit, I know there are no limits. That's encouraging, isn't it? And it's that encouragement that is meant to to stir inside of us and fuel all of our actions, all of our attitudes, all of our words. As we begin to release those things into the world, we begin to release the encouragement that makes a way for the power of God to be manifest in the lives of those around us. Encouragement. So I want to look in the scripture about how to to obtain this, this courage, how to get this. I mean, I want this to be a part of my life, but I would prefer that it not be a part of my life by accident, that it be a part of my life on purpose. And, and I want to share something with you that, that is in the Scripture that has stood out to me. Now, we've talked about this before in the past when we've talked about another topic, but I want to introduce it as we continue in today's message and begin to, to close today's message. I mentioned before that we're going to find what's needed in order to have courage, I want to give you a passage of Scripture now that reveals that. From the Psalms, Psalm 31, <clears throat> I want to read a couple of passages of Scripture, and we're going to find what's needed to have courage. Psalm 31, verse 24. <clears throat> Excuse me. The call from the Psalms is, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all of you who hope in the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all of you who hope in the Lord. What I see here is for me to let my heart take courage, for me to make a way for my heart to be filled with courage, is going to require me to put my hope in Jesus. Let your heart take courage, all of you who hope in the Lord. By definition, hope is a desire with anticipation or expectation. I mean, it's not just a desire. You're not just wishing that something's going to happen, but rather you're trusting that something is going to happen based on a cause for that trust. In our case, a promise. A promise like, I'll never leave you. A promise like, I'll never forsake you. A promise like, I'll send another. He will be a helper to you, and he will be with you always. We have the ability to anticipate and to desire assistance in any situation, in any circumstance, based upon the promises of God being fulfilled in our lives. So we're in a situation where we can let our heart take courage because we are equipped to put our hope in Jesus. Now I want to give you a passage of scripture out of Romans, Romans chapter 15 verse 13. If I know that I need hope in order to have courage, I want to know what I need in order to have hope. I want courage. That means I need hope. So how do I get hope into my life? I want to show you a passage here out of Romans that talks about the two things that are going to make up hope in my life. You might consider them ingredients, so to speak. Mix one part of this with one part of that, blend thoroughly, and the result is hope. Romans chapter 15, I want to look at verse 13. Romans 15, 13. It reads like this, Now may the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Something is happening when you combine joy and peace. I mean, if something didn't happen when you combine joy and peace, then this passage of Scripture would read like this. Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace so that you may abound in joy and peace. If he's filling you with joy and he's filling you with peace, and those two things blend together, the result, based on this passage of Scripture, is not just an abundance of joy or an abundance of peace, but the result is hope. Joy plus peace equals hope. If I took this passage of Scripture and created a mathematical equation, that's what it would be. Joy plus peace equals hope. It's interesting to me that throughout the gospel, Jesus is identifying what he's bringing into our lives through his role as the Christ the anointed one, the Messiah. When he would pray and when he would say things like, these words I speak to you so that you might have my joy in you and so that your joy be made full, there's joy. And that he would stand and he would say, peace I give you, not as the world gives, but a peace that will surpass all understanding. This is the peace. Joy plus peace equals hope. Jesus is the source of hope for you and for me so that we can stand in the courage that God's called us to, not only for our own lives, but so that we can be an encouragement to those around us. When I find myself lacking courage, I know I need to find hope. And in the situation that's bringing discouragement, I need to find joy and peace in that circumstance. No matter how daunting it is, no matter how challenging it is, no matter how far gone it seems to be, I need to find my source of joy and peace in that situation. I need to find Jesus in that situation. And when I find Jesus in that situation, hope is found in that situation. And when hope is found in that situation... I can be of courage. I can let my heart take courage, not just for my own well-being and my own safety, but so that I can be an encouragement to those around me and so that you can do the same. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning, and I want to pray. I want to ask God to do something great in our lives. The ultimate goal is to be an encouragement to those around us. And if being an encouragement means that you're going to put courage in the lives of those around you with your words and your actions, you're going to need courage in order to give that courage. And for us to have that courage, we're going to have to live a life filled with hope. And for us to live a life filled with hope, it's going to require those two things that we read about, joy plus peace equals hope. I want to pray and I want to ask God to reveal to us the joy and the peace that we have in Jesus so that we can walk in the hope that we have in Jesus, so that we can be filled with the courage that God's called us to be filled with through Jesus Christ, and so that we can, though we face daunting tasks, go and be an encouragement to those around us. And I think it's a wonderful thing for us to pray You know, not just this morning, but in our own time. Father, 
Fill me with courage that I might encourage those around me. I desire to bring hope into situations and circumstances that are are seemingly lost. When I'm surrounded by those that are blind, those that are afflicted, those that are, are, are deafened to your voice, those that have no solution to the things that they face, let me bring the words and the example of encouragement to be the catalyst for your power to bring breakthrough and deliverance. And this is the, the, the life that we're called to as believers. This is the life that we're called to as God would stand before you and say, be strong and courageous. Don't tremble or be dismayed because I'm with you. There where you stand, I want to simply pray and ask God to do these works on our behalf, that our hearts might be affected, that our minds might be renewed, and that the effect would be revealed in our attitudes, in our words, in our actions, that we would be a people filled with joy and peace, a people that walk in hope and live a life of courage and encouragement. There where you stand, you can simply be in agreement uh, or in a state of receiving. We're going to pray and ask God to do this work. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the anointing upon our lives to accomplish great things in your name. We rejoice in the righteousness of our King Jesus, that we can speak to you in righteousness, that we can stand before you and let our desire be made known to you, that we know that you have released your love in such a way that we can have full confidence that you will not withhold from your children any good thing. And we ask for good things to be magnified in our hearts and in our minds this morning, that they might have a powerful and profound effect on who we are. Let joy and peace be multiplied in our hearts and minds that we would see that we have so much to be grateful for, so much to rejoice over eternally, over all that you've done through the power of the blood of Jesus, His obedience, His crucifixion, His resurrection, His ascension, His faithfulness to pour out your Spirit just as you promised. Let that stir joy in our hearts. And let peace be multiplied in us, that we would know and understand that every battle belongs to you. Every trial, every tribulation is for our perfection. And let our mentalities be transformed, that we would no longer feel assaulted, but that we would feel your love and your affection perfecting our lives with every situation and every circumstance that we would face. Let joy and peace be magnified in us. And let those two things collide to combine hope that we would never face a circumstance and feel overwhelmed. And that as those around us would deal with problems and trials, that we would be able to introduce hope into those situations and those circumstances to lead those individuals out of hopelessness and into the hope that you love, that you fulfill your word. And that you'll never abandon us. Let courage define your people. As we live our lives, let our words and let our actions reveal to this world all that you've instructed when you've called us to be strong and courageous. And let us not only have courage for our own choices, our own decisions, our own words, attitudes, and actions, but let us have courage and abundance that we might 
spill over onto those around us with encouragement. And let encouragement be the catalyst for your authority and your power to be released. We bless your name and we thank you for your wonders. We thank you for your word. And we rejoice in your presence. And we ask, Father, as we walk, enjoy it in peace, as hope is multiplied within us, that we would truly function as a people of courage and devote our lives to being an encouragement to those around us for the expansion of your kingdom and the glory of your name. We bless your name and we give you thanks in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.